Did you know using your browser in incognito mode doesn't actually protect your privacy? Take back your privacy with IPVanish VPN. Just one tap and all your data, passwords, communications, browsing history, and more will be instantly protected. IPVanish makes you virtually invisible online. Use IPVanish on all your devices, anytime you go online at home and especially on public Wi-Fi. Get IPVanish now for 70% off a yearly plan with this exclusive offer at IPVanish.com audio. Hi, I'm Matt Lieb. And I'm Vince Mancini. And this is Pod, Pod Yourself, Yourself the, the Wire. Wire. A The Wire podcast where Vince Mancini and I go through every single episode of The Wire and, and talk, talk about, about it. it. Thank you once again for listening to the world's only The Wire podcast. The Wire, a show about how snitches really do get stitches. That's mm. true. Sometimes so they have to get 200 and their the muscles in their face don't work right that's right mm -hmm. and she they wind up snitch, though, was she? Anyway, anyway i don't we're think she was ahead of us aren't we yes let's not get ahead of what this episode is let's tease it out as long as possible because if there's one thing our listeners love it's when we don't talk about the wire um yeah so oh five stars in a review please uh we've gotten some nice uh new reviews uh recently um and uh i would like more of them I would like them as soon as possible. Also, and I'm sorry, I want to apologize up front to everybody who's been complaining about how I have made every pre-roll ad me saying, please come to my show October 17th at the punchline. Um, but you know what? Until that show happens, that's going to be the pre-roll mm. ad. He, so didn't he didn't vet it with me, you guys. Just, to, just to I didn't. You know. I don't run things by him. That's I don't right. run things by him because uh, his answer is always, uh... Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> he doesn't care. Better to ask for forgiveness than for permission. That's what yeah, yeah. And sometimes not even forgiveness. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so please come. Uh, you know, well, we, we it's me and Francesca. That's my wife, and we're gonna do oh, stand up, and it's gonna be really fun. Vince will be there. So I'm taking. You don't need the pre roll on this. Uh, no, it's, it's going in. Okay. <laughs> so you double. You double. Promoing. In case they skip through it, right? Okay. It's important to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So today we're going to be talking about <laughs> from season four of The Wire, episode four, Refugees. And our guest today is fantastic. He is a professor at Princeton University. Ladies and gentlemen, everyone else, our guest is Kevin Cruz. Thank you. Thank you. Great to hey. be here. Oh, so so glad to have you. We I don't think we have ever had a professor on. Am I making a horrible mistake? I mean, yeah. medium. Uh, yeah. I, mean, was, I need that McNulty gift. Right now. Yeah, <laughs> I know. And this is the episode in this which is the episode. that happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, you know, most of our guests are uh, people who like their credits are like, I'm going to be a you know chuckle fucky. You know, in October, I mean, they're basically different versions of me or they're like podcasters, which is like even a lower form of don't, life. You know, don't sell short LP and Max Collins. That's you know? true. Occasionally we do have very famous rock stars on and I don't know why. I don't <laughs> I don't know why they choose to come on and for the same reason, you know, I'm like a Princeton professor. Well, okay, <laughs> let's do this. I, I, Vince and I, uh, I lost a bet. It was, uh, mm. I, we don't need to go into the details, but, but that's why I'm here. It's good. It's good. That's fair. So do you, uh, as a Princeton professor, do you teach a class about the wire? 
I do not teach a class about the wire, but I've taught okay. I've taught urban history before. Oh. And actually, we had David Simon come to Princeton, God, probably 15 years ago. Wow. Hmm. Uh, Nutter was the mayor of Philadelphia, and he came with him. So, yeah, whenever that was. Wow. Uh, but it was great. We had, had a nice talk about the, about the show and uh, talking about urban studies. It was really great. That's really awesome. Smart. Yeah, he's a good guy. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, I, I only know him uh, as the guy on Twitter who argues with everyone and calls people <laughs> shitbirds, which I I love personally. He's like a, he's like a, a character from uh, um, Deadwood. Yeah. Uh, and the ability in which he can coin kind of really intricate and fantastic profanity. Yes. Uh, it, it's impressive. I know yeah. it keeps him up at night and that's what I appreciate about him. Cause he's, yeah. I know he's, I know he's sitting there in his bed working some on Some idiot said something like one guy on Twitter said something that set him off and now he's in bed yeah. trying to think of like the best insult to come up with. And he pulls it off. I yeah. mean, most of the time I'm just like, that was, that was a really fancy way of calling someone an asshole. And right. I mean, you know, that's why that's why he's a writer. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what it's writers do. It's a gift. Yeah, it's it really is a gift. Um, but Kevin, do you like The Wire? I love The Wire. Well, uh, I mean, Same. it's a happy coincidence given that that's what you're talking about on this podcast. I know. I was going to say, <laughs> I mean, like, that's what, perfect. What are the odds? Uh, yeah, one of my one of my favorite shows. Uh, I mean, it's a brilliant drama, but also kind of socially smart. Digs into issues that uh, don't often get discussed. Uh, yeah. On, in politics, much less in primetime TV. So huge fan. Yeah. And uh, I mean, as a someone who's a teacher, I imagine that uh, season four probably resonates with you, uh, you know, maybe more so because it is, you know, in a way talking about your own profession. Is that is that how you feel? Yeah, a little. I mean, I, I teach college. I teach um, uh, kids who have clawed their way to get there and want to be in my class and are dying. I'm not prez in the classroom trying to corral mm. a bunch of kids who don't want to be there. Right? There's no. You don't have to take gum off of desks and, and, and break up razor blade fights at, oh, uh, at Princeton. And there's there's no cutty kind of going around Central <laughs> New Jersey, up. rounding up you know truant <laughs> Princeton students and forcing them to go to my class. You know. Yeah. So. I can't profess to have, uh, you know, the people who are in the trenches in, in elementary schools and uh, mm-hmm. in high schools across the country are really doing God's work. I uh, live a life of luxury compared to that. So, yeah, education yeah. certainly a, a drive here, but uh, very different worlds. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're, they're doing God's work. You, as a college professor, you're doing Satan's work. Yeah. Because I mean, I, you're, that's, you're that's teaching. That's my training. You're teaching uh, Marxism to yeah, uh, yeah. to the future communists. <laughs> that's no, no, no one's going to hear this, right? Yes, that's true. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. No one's going to hear this. No he one pumps listens. them up to uh, what was it? Attack and dethrone God. I'm trying to remember. What yeah, that, it was uh, attack and dethrone God. <laughs> yeah. That's right. <laughs> that was. Uh, it's all it's all laid under our five year plan. It's on the yeah. university's website. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Part of the five year plan: uh, collectivize farms, uh, attack and dethrone God. And also, uh, you know, make uh, students read about uh, yeah, how make, sex works. Make them do gender all the time. Always oh, doing all gender. Doing gotta, gender. Gotta talk about gender. These wokes. You get mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> God, we would make so much money if we could just be that podcast, Vince. Oh, just, oh uh, yeah. I think know. about Shit. the Thiel Bucks. Peter Thiel, he would give us all that money. Um, so, uh, do you have a favorite season of The Wire? Uh, you know, it's like 
ranking my children. Mm. I'm supposed to say I love them all, and yet we all have a favorite. Um, That's true. Uh, I would probably say season three. Um, season three, okay. Just because that that arc of the kind of you got Muzone, you got Omar, mm -hmm. Stringer, kind of all circling around each other, all those uh, parts in play. Yeah, um, yeah, I'd say three. Yeah. Okay. Three is very good. I, I enjoy three as well. Uh, what are your thoughts on season five? Are you an anti five person? Are you someone who, who doesn't like, uh, they only made, they only made four seasons. <laughs> God damn it. No, they made five and the fifth one's actually good. I, it's, five yeah. is solid. I, I, I feel like, I feel like Simon knew too much about the newspaper industry. Yes. And leaned in with that. Maybe a little too much over his It's been forever since I've watched it. It was yeah. a bit of a letdown. I mean, I was happy Clark Johnson's in that, who's brilliant. I was thrilled to see him come back. Oh, yeah. Um, the kind of homeless serial killer plot was a little... It's a bit much, but I feel like that was season was just... Uh, that was for anyone who's ever gotten annoyed at the kinds of things and people who win journalism awards. Like that is the basis yeah, of okay. uh, yeah. season five. And you're like, yeah, he didn't say shit. He really just did like... Uh, you know, a tourism thing. And, and yeah. Uh, yeah, that's painfully accurate in my experience. But yeah. Yeah. I feel like season five, we, uh, we always we always have to defend it. Um, it is uh, I think it's universally considered to be the worst season of The Wire. And uh, I think everyone's wrong because, uh, you know, it's really about how like a drunk Irishman can really can really get away with some amazing evil schemes. Yeah. Like it, like he, it was like booze was McNulty's spinach and he was Popeye. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. He drank yeah. and he said, I'm going it's to a, invent a cereal. Kit. It's about how the best cops are the drunkest. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So as we all know, and we, and yes, we all, we all do know that. Um, final question. Uh, is is Princeton? Princeton's a, a really good school, right? <laughs> uh, I mean, I mean, you know, region, we're regionally known in New Jersey at Central okay. Central New Jersey people. Okay, all right. So it's like us. a good school for New Jersey. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. That's what I thought. I mean, well, I mean okay, it's an okay school for New Jersey. <laughs> okay. All right. We're we're, oh, we're we're bumping it up to okay. Well, that's good. That's good. Uh. The, but this isn't a podcast about ranking various local uh, academic institutions. No, this is a podcast about The Wire. And we cannot start the podcast without first playing the theme song. When you Pod. 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 Podcast. Podcast. School children. Season four. All right, ladies and gentlemen and everyone else. Once again today, we're going to be talking about from season four of The Wire, episode four, Refugees. Now, this episode premiered October 1st, 2006. Vince... Can you break us off a little piece of that synopsis? Yeah, you keep not writing these, but I'll just I do want this you to do it off the top of your off head. 
top. Uh, Prez Belusky is trying to figure out how to talk to his kids after a violent incident. Marlo is pondering joining Prop Joe's Mm co-op. And Omar, the wire is done. And uh, Omar is um, trying to figure out who to rob next. Yeah. All right. Yeah, that's good. I like it. It's solid. That's what the episode's about. But Vince, more importantly, Mm -hmm. what was happening at the time that this episode came out? That's right, Matt. Uh, And I'm sure a a historian knows this better than anyone. But, you know, we can't evaluate art divorced from its cultural context. And therefore, we got to put some of that context back in. And we do that with a little something that we like to call the back in the day machine. It's a bad time for newspapers. The news hole is shrinking as advertising dollars continue to decline. There ain't no back in the day machine tells the tale, son. Yeah. All right, we're going all the way back to October 1st, 2006. That's right. Um, I, I like going back and seeing like the political scandals that were like the hugest deal uh, at that point. Sure. Um, because it's really, it's amazing how fast you forget what the actual political scandals were uh even from i don't know what is it 17 years ago yeah you uh, mean back in like normal times normal times i um, mean you know normal except for the whole war on terror and the 9-11 sure, and all that stuff sure. going on you remember that uh you remember the mark foley uh scandal sounds familiar <laughs> what well, tell me about I, it. i did not uh House Republicans knew for months that Representative Mark Foley of Florida was exchanging what were described as over-friendly emails with a 16-year-old former House page, they acknowledged Saturday. Whoa. Uh, Foley resigned Friday after news reports revealed that he had sent another male teenager, former House page, messages that were explicitly sexual. House leaders said they had not been aware of those messages. Uh, I I, I, I vaguely remember. Do we know what the messages said? I want to know uh, how sex- yeah. sexy they were. <laughs> we go, hold on. I'm not sure sexy is the word sp- you want to use here. But <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, unless you're you're looking to, for a date with Chris Hansen from Dateline, but yeah. Oh, in, oh, we're talking young. Okay. In one ex, yeah, sixteen year old. In one yeah, exchange, yeah, yeah. Foley asked, "You and your boxers too? Well, strip down and get relaxed." Oh boy. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. Now is... it's hard to believe that that Dennis Haster <laughs> would let all this go. <laughs> Yeah, given his, given his spotless record, he's usually <laughs> he's had a zero tolerance policy for that. Oh wait, kind no, of I'm, stuff. I'm reading here. He was referred to as a serial child rapist. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> so he, he might have had a reason not to look at this. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. It's that's kind fair. of amazing that they just sort of forgot about that whole thing and then made like groomers uh, an insult. Yeah. And it was like you guys were literally running like a like a sex a gr- abuse factory out of the mm-hmm. Cong- out of Congress. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it is uh, a weird bit of projection that is so blatant that you even feel weird pointing it out because you're like, is this part of it? Is this Mm -hmm. part of your weird twisted fantasy is me bringing up the fact that this is clearly projection? Just like how it's like every single uh, time I see someone do a deep dive into a like a power Twitter account that only talks about groomers. <laughs> someone will eventually find an article in which it turned out that they are, uh, you know, on, you know, on work release from prison for doing, <laughs> for doing, uh, uh, you know, pedophilia. And I'm just like, why is it? Why? Why every time you make it so obvious? Well, I mean, it's just so it's just so ironic that uh, the, it's so ironic. The, your the brain explodes. That's, the person that's going to blow the lid off of 
the 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 pedophilia conspiracy at the highest levels just happened to come from 8chan a website explicitly for pedophiles <laughs> no it's, it's always the person you suspect the most exactly exactly <laughs> that's what i thought about russell brand i was like oh man right yeah what yeah, a shock. yeah. He yeah. Was hiding yeah. in plain sight there you know who knew everyone who knew yeah. yeah yeah no apparently everyone and uh yeah you know i, I also I'm glad that we're finally at the point uh, with Russell Brand where collectively everyone can just be like, can we reexamine his whole act? It's just <laughs> chimney sweep says big words. That's all it is. It's just like, well, you know, what if a ch chimney sweep was just like, oh, you know, I think we need to ponder whether or not the veracity of these claims. It's just like, <laughs> I, I get it. You're a chimney sweep. but you It's a good bit, smart. though. You have to give him credit. It's a fun too. bit. Yeah. But how long can it last? You know what I'm saying? Uh, it's a apparently about 12, 13 years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty good. Um, elsewhere uh, in 2006 news, mm -hmm. there's this Obama guy. And uh, he seems him. to have actual charisma and people are kind of freaking out. Yeah. Um, this headline from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette feels a little borderline. But uh, headline, borrowing Obama's magic. Mm -hmm. um, oh, yeah, a little magical. Yep. yep. Don't say, yep. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, it's yeah. one thing for Ben Carter to <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, to joke. Yeah, yeah. It's one thing for Ben Cardin to joke about his charisma deficit. Who says I'm not flashy? He quips in a campaign commercial. Uh, it's quite quite another for him to invite Mr. Democratic Charisma himself on stage for a rally in his quest to become U.S. Senator from Maryland. Mm. Uh, I don't remember if this guy won or not. Uh, Barack Obama yeah, he did. did. He did. Okay, there we go. See, that's why we have. This is why we got a historian yeah. on. Barack Someone's Obama gotta, didn't even yeah. have to open his mouth to have a crowd of a few hundred under a powerful spell in a grassy outdoor amphitheater in the University of Maryland in suburban College Park. The junior senator from Illinois, part Kenyan, part Kansan, stood tall and youthful in bronze in a black suit and a baby blue tie, his eyes half closed, studying the audience with a kind of seductive lassitude. His arrival sparked an ovation, and he shot a quick, amiable wink to the many poles and hopefuls crammed behind him on the stage. Mute witnesses to the magic. Damn, that is. Uh, That's well. He likes, well I think he likes them. Yeah. You know, uh, seductive lassitude is actually the name of my uh, erotic fiction. Yeah, yeah, uh, that was the name. <laughs> Oddly, I do not have a publisher. In fact, I have several restraining letters for publishers. <laughs> Random house. Uh, Back the fuck off, Cruz. Yeah. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> you know, and I gotta say, hired goons were not needed. It, that's a step too far. You can just say no. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, just simple no would do. Yeah, it's weird. Um, elsewhere, uh, across the pond, I always Ooh. like to finish off with a fun story. Sure. This is my fun story for the week. Uh, British police are no longer allowed to call young people yobs. Yobs? Which, yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> They are menacing youths who hang about in gangs, causing trouble. For decades, they have been known as yobs. It has been rare for anybody to have a good word to say about them. But now, it seems, police officers are going to have to find a way more, or have to find a polite way to describe the nation's troublemakers, because Scotland Yard has banned its officers from using the word yob for fear that it might alienate young people. The edict has the backing of Sir Ian Blair, the Metropolitan Police Commissioner, and will gird his reputation as the PC PC. <laughs> uh, there we go. There we go. All right. Very uh, good. <laughs> they took our yobs. They, uh, <laughs> <laughs> they, yeah, they yeah. took they, our yobs. This was when it happened. 
That's interesting. I, I never, I mean, I've, I guess I wouldn't have heard a um, British slang term only used by police, but still, that is uh, new. What is that, like young knobs? What is it? Uh, I don't. Can uh, we get some etymology on yobs, yeah, please? I don't know what that one is. Oh, these dang yobs! It's probably some weird Cockney rhyme that you have to like yeah. skip twelve words back to figure out. Yeah, what yeah, was. yeah. Exactly, exactly. There's just two. There's, to follow the thread of where yobs came from is just a chore in and of itself. Yeah. But no, uh, uh, we can no longer call them yobs. We have to just call them ragamuffins, as per usual. This is pre-chavs, I think. Oh, now have, okay. Now they can just call them chavs. That's now the I call them one. chavs. I, but chav is a very specific type of like uh, British youth, right? It's, it's, a, it's, it's a white guy. Thank you. Yes. It's like it's like a white, and and like, you know, wearing a supreme hoodie, and uh, n- not quite f- like football hooligan, but also not quite yob. You know what I mean? I find they're filled with a seductive lassitude. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to say the same thing. A seductive latitude, yeah. See, that's there. He is. There's Russell, Russell Brand. Brand. Yeah. That's his whole. That's his whole thing. Well, that's bullshit. that's about ninety percent of it. The other ten percent is kind of an open shirt. Yeah, right. Open yeah. shirt, and then he, uh, people forget he had a little dreadlock in the back of his hair when he first he came did? out. Yeah, he wow. had like a he had like one weird dread that was back there before he cut it off. You know what he did? He made being sober. Um, you know, as a sober person, I'm always looking for like, you know, sober icons, but he made being sober look so lame (laughs) that I felt like it was worse for the world. You know, it was just like, you know, I might be sober, but you know, I'm still very fucky. And it's like, yeah, okay. (laughs) Like, stop. Stop making it weird, you know? It's just like, you know, it's everyone's different. Why you gotta make it... Oh, but I'm fucky, and I don't drink. It's like, yeah, but you're clearly a sexual predator. Um, yeah. Anyways. Um, yeah, so that's been the back in the day machine. Okay, so that's everything. Now we finally are contextualized. That's right. And we, and we can know why this episode happened. It's very important. Um, it, it explains why Randy gets called a yob. I mean, that's now- right. It explains why everyone's just calling Randy yob the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, so this week, uh, due to uh, circumstances, including me at one point having COVID and, um, you know, uh, I don't have a song. So mm. I'm going to have usually to, has a song. For, I usually have a, a yeah. really great parody song for the new and, listeners, and everyone loves know. it. But you know what? At some point in this episode, I'll probably think of one or you guys will tell me one. And then at the end of the episode, uh, I will, you know, once this recording's over, I'll tack it on at the end. But in lieu of having a song, instead, I'm going to play something uh, that I found on um, someone sent it to me on TikTok. It is <laughs> What If Biggie Was From Baltimore. Oh, um, I have not heard this. I'm excited. You haven't heard it? It's no. very good. So uh, I'm going to play a little bit of that for you. Here we go. It's all good for you. It was all a erm. I used to read journal fuckle youths. Jickle yangers up on my jickle when I fuckle youths. Fuckle using on my erm. Goose now, jones now, burn phone jickle on my youths. I used to jickle up till my jickle hop. Fuck alone, goose. I burst now, the goose knots. Goo jigger. I fuckle youths down the bone, jones now, fellow the goose now. But jiggle. remember fuckle youths and jickle highs. You never thought that goo high would jickle this eye. Fuckle on my goose now. Alright, I think I get it. <laughs> 
<laughs> Listen. I love dream. I used to eat crab chips on the machine. Yeah, yeah, that's. I mean, that's good too. But uh, yeah, I just no, uh, no, that was horrible. But good, go. I liked it. I I just very much enjoy uh, the idea that everybody outside of Baltimore finds the accent atrocious. <laughs> I just very much enjoy that. Anyways, uh, let's finally. Are there any like regional New Jersey accents that the rest of the world has yet to discover? (sighs) Hmm. No, not really. I mean, we're there's the Northern Jersey Sopranos one, which you're probably a little familiar with. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, Central New Jersey just is kind of kind of there. Yeah, Yeah. it's not necessarily not quite Northern Jersey. It's just kind of a Atlantic. Sure. Yeah. It would be nice to know if there was a, a rival accent somewhere in America that sounded as weird as uh, as Baltimore, just because I feel like Baltimore right now stands alone. I mean, I guess maybe Maine people like a people like That's a weird Maine one. accent. Yeah. yeah, I discovered the one time I went to Rhode Island that everyone talks like uh, like Peter Griffin. That was that was wild. <laughs> that that's a that's a real accent. That's not just a cartoon character. I mean, I, I was, feel like the sports radio is where you'll find all the Peter right. Griffins talking that's, to each that's other. That's all the best re- regional accents are in sports radio. But I feel like there is a a funny regional accent uh, that's hot uh, that shifts. Like early 2010s, I would say it was like Boston area, mm. and then you know, oh was, right. As soon as Mayor of Easton hit, it was like, okay, now it's like Delco, Delco yeah. uh, Baltimore, sort, which is similar. Yeah. I don't know what the next one's going to be. I'm thinking, I'm I would, I'm saying maybe Yinzer or... Mm. Uh, I think Fetterman but, can make that happen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If anyone can. Yeah, that would be sick. I mean, the, the Yinzer accent is, as far as I know, is just, uh, it's weird... Pennsylvania is that is that what that is like what is yeah. what, like how how do you do Yinzer what what's the water I think is like the defining water Gene water it's okay. yeah it sounds I don't know I, I I'm not like a you know a scholar on the Yinzer accent I know it sort of has similarities with Baltimore and uh, Del Delco but I think there's more like soft consonants like D's T's and mm. D's and uh, yeah. The point is, is some whenever Mike McCarthy, the the Cowboys coach, talks, I'm like, oh, that's what a Yinzer accent sounds like. But yeah, let's talk about the episode. Let's dig in. Let's get deep on it. it. Let's do Uh, it. Vince, what did you think of this episode? Uh, Great episode. I could have done. I mean, if I'm being honest, I could have done with a little less uh, homicide department hazing. Uh, It was. It was okay. It was. You're wrong. Um, I think this is. You know. The the wire always does lots of uh, societal analysis and and intensely real intense realism. But as this episode shows, it's also doing a lot of like TV stuff. Like mm-hmm. this episode is all foreshadowing, and it's all it's all David Simon's love of uh, symmetry with sure. uh, poker mm-hmm. on both sides, and also like the the brotherhood of the traveling ring, which yes. uh, was yeah. kind of fun. Yeah, uh, it's almost like it's like a it's almost like an alternate universe Seinfeld episode. The way the like the mm. they have a little MacGuffin that goes from storyline to storyline. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. D- so you didn't like the hazing? 
I, I did I didn't dislike it. I thought I could have done with like less of it. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, Kevin, did you enjoy this episode? Yeah, and I think the hazing is probably the least favorite part too. Like it felt mm. like like we've seen Greg's go through the motions. She doesn't need to be kind of it, treated like it a does, rookie entirely. It does I think feel you know what weird it is? to I think haze like, her when she has been shot in the line of duty. I, you know what it is? I yeah. think it's like these these people are so lewd most of the time. Like yes. Landsman is normally like the most lewd, crude guy in the world. Uh, one of the hazing is them like putting a fake note in a dead guy's hand, which is wild. That but then is... the other one is having her call the zoo as Mr. Lion, which seems like very, uh, very like polite 1950s compared to the normal things that you expect. Well, even, from even though the park. zookeeper says, aren't you too old for this? I mean, right. it's, it's, like a, it's a stupid kid's prank. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think personally, that's what makes it amazing is number one, it's, it's a ramp up. That's why the Mr. Lion thing works for me is because you start off with this really juvenile prank uh, in which they have Kima, uh, her, her first act as a newly christened homicide detective is to uh, deal with a methane probe. Um, and uh, I, of course, I have a clip of that prank. I need to speak with Mr. Lyon about the protocols. You sound a little old for this, honey. Excuse me? Who is this? This is Detective Greggs with this the... Is the Baltimore City Zoo. Fine. And this is Detective Greggs. And you're calling for a Mr. Lyon. I'm sorry. I misdialed. Methane <laughs> 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 bro. <laughs> See, I find that to be cute. Uh, and light and sure. and fun, yeah. That's what, um, you, know. you know, and then quickly it ramps up to an entire scene in which they, first of all, they plant a note on a dead guy. They have to find a man has to be dead in order to do yeah. the second prank. Now, the se are, are, yeah. are we led to believe that did, did Bunk and Freeman kill that guy yeah. for the prank? <laughs> it's, yeah. it's hard to know. It really is hard to know because like you imagine you imagine some grieving mother just screaming like out on the what? outside of the police line. What? Well, well it was for a great gag. It was yeah, tr yeah. And trust they're us. All laughing their asses off like, no, we put a note in his hand that said tater killed me get it because she's new and we're just <laughs> fucking with her it's pretty funny if you're on this side yeah no i get why you'd be upset ma'am but <laughs> you have to consider the feelings of the rest of homicide laughing their ass off comedy's uh, hard man suck it up <laughs> the the craziest thing about it, other than of course uh them having a dead guy to put a note into um is also the um the opening of that scene, it's like this is uh, supposed to be Kima's first time as a homicide detective, like seeing what it looks like to uh, investigate a murder. And it is like almost word for word, it feels like they're just doing CSI. They're just doing a law and order, uh, you know, like procedural. And the joke is <laughs> of course we don't do any of this shit when we find a body we don't do any analysis we don't have q-tips we don't you know we don't do blood spatter we just go there and we go oh fuck 
I got to figure this shit out. <laughs> like, it is kind of insane to me that the joke is that the Baltimore police homicide unit um, does not have the uh, ability to solve this murder in a way they would on TV, which I, I also, don't know. It's a great I, joke. I want to know how you become the like junk science uh, crime analysis guy. Cause mm-hmm. like, wasn't all that blood spatter basically revealed to be just uh kind of junk science and uh, similar with I didn't a know lot that. of the ballistics was not um, as accurate as they were led to believe. And it, that, that just leads me to believe that there were like five really weird guys who spent all day just like, <laughs> dropping uh, liquids on paper. I don't really even know how you get to be uh Were they, were they all Dexter? Guy. Were they all really serial killers themselves? <laughs> yeah. Probably. They were just like, I just really like Jackson Pollock paintings. And <laughs> I had to figure out a way to make this my job. So I told people that this is how blood spatter works. And, uh, and we locked up a lot of innocent people, but it was worth it. My vocation is my vacation. <laughs> Whenever there is like a um, a high tech police technology that's used, you know, to uh, you know to convict people of crimes. At this point, I am now always suspicious that it is a fake, a junk science, uh, because there's just so much of it that has been proven to be false. Uh, Like, you know, um, much of the like early introduction of like DNA evidence uh, into, you know, uh, cases and court filings has been proven to be like total, total crap. Like people didn't actually know what they were doing, but they were like, yeah, you know, these these bloods are similar bloods. Now I think, you know, DNA might actually be a, a useful tool. Um, but oh, you then think there's you're willing stuff to like, grant that? You're willing to grant them that? Grudgingly. <laughs> honestly, I, it is begrudging because of the fact that everything else is fake. Like yeah. polygraphs are fake. I mean, fucking expert witnesses are fake. It's all fake. It's all people yeah. just like who are, you know, a part of the machine of prosecution. And uh, we all are just like, well, if the experts said that this is how a serial killer sits, who am I to judge? <laughs> right. He's I mean, a body they, language the body, expert. The body language experts are the best. He could, yeah. yeah, he he understands the language of the body. I mean, you going to argue with that? Not me. Your Honor, his hips don't lie. Uh, I rest my case. Uh, I mean, yeah. I, I like, well, there was that guy that uh, that claimed to have an affair with Obama. And mm-hmm. I guess the thing was that Tucker Carlson touted the fact that he had taken a polygraph test. And right. then other people pointed out, it's like, oh, he actually failed the polygraph test. But he took and I'm it. Like, he yeah, but it. I'm like, you guys are both missing the point is that polygraph <laughs> tests are not real and they they're don't tell real. you anything. They're complete. They're complete and utter bullshit. It is not. We're a, not on Maury. Like, have you not? They're <laughs> such bullshit that they are no longer uh, admissible in court. Like they never were. There was. Oh, they no, never were. Is no. that true? Oh, that's very funny because it is something that, you know, that has been used constantly as like a, as a threat against uh, suspects forever, y- well, you know. Yeah, this was just, taken. I mean, the wire in an early wire episode. There's Landsman using the uh, the the copy machine, which he says yeah. is a lie detector test, and that's funny. But also, like, it is about the same as a polygraph test. Like, they're not yeah. much. It's 
Yeah. It is it's the same principle, which is yes. that we're gonna we're use scary, a yeah. science machine to scare people into doing false confessions or into, you know, doing a confession, which is uh you know, hey, the the law works in mysterious ways. Which is why it's great that Bunk and Company don't do any of that stuff. They go right. back. It's like it's like that John Mulaney routine about crimes in the thirties. Yeah, right. Oh, <laughs> oh the cover left a lot of blood here. Ah, oh, gross. Mop it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it, i mean yeah i guess to their credit them not i mean doing any of that is probably a good thing because that's the show lies anyway credit like they never really um like they never tip you off to the fact that all that csi stuff is fake like they give you right. little hints like that it's fake but it's not there's no they, they never really tip their hand to uh, explain yeah. that that's what they were doing. Which I is, mean, that's uh, right. But that's what makes the scene so good in which Kima is being pranked. She's being pranked into thinking that uh, the Baltimore uh, homicide unit um, is, you know, has like secret ways of doing stuff that help you catch crime. And it's uh, like half the prank is like, psych, turns out we don't know shit. <laughs> <laughs> and I, here, I have a clip of that. Puts the time of death at 7.48, give or take. Noted. You're gonna wanna get a chem stat? You think? Couldn't hurt. Uh, CDC two, splatter distance? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> you know, where the hell did my Q-tips go? Don't sweat it, I got mine right here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It's cool. You want to take a look? Won't buy. The joke is that they're competent and prepared. <laughs> That's the prank. There's something in his hand. Oh, yeah? Tater killed me. Oh. Is it a type? Because that would hold up a lot better in court. <laughs> <laughs> Phone number in the other hand. I mean... I think it's brilliant. I think every part about that prank is great on not just on a level of like within the show, but outside of the show, watching it going, oh, man, this show really does give you an inside look into um, like both Ed Burns and David Simon's like time with the police in which they realize mm -hmm. like anything you see on TV in which people are very seriously walking around a body trying to analyze and use science and technology in order to figure out the crime. All of that is fake. Only, only in pranks do they do that. That is, uh, kind of scary. I hope I'm never murdered guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be bad, but they use that all as set up for the, the final prank that the, 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 uh, the mayor's race, the tight mayor's race is mm -hmm. the shit's going to roll downhill uh, mm -hmm. until eventually uh, they're going to try and stall an investigation by putting uh, the rookie on it, which is yeah. an interesting choice. I, like, it's is a, that really going to stall the investigation? It's, but it's all it's all carried yeah. out at a at a wink, wink level of we can't really tell you to do the exact thing that we want you to do. Right. We just sort of have to like sort of nudge you and right. Um, they can't seems... say they're actively uh, impeding an, uh, an investigation to the death of a state's witness. Um, all they can do is uh, show you that they're doing that by trying yeah. to assign a rookie. But of course um, the, the homicide captain at one point says, I promise I'll slow this down and Burrell, you know, 
Yeah. You can't, you can't, you can't, don't say it. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, whoa, 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 calm down. <laughs> Let's not. Is there, do, you, is there, do you find historical basis for this uh, type of, like, is corruption this um, understated? Like, is this, is this normal for it to sort of go down in this way where they don't want to say it so that it doesn't come back on them? Or is this? No, I mean, usually there's, there's an ineptitude, but in most, with most city police departments, it's that, they want more arrests and they're just not getting them. Mm-hmm. It's rare you see someone wanting to kind of slow walk a crime. Yeah. Sure. It, yeah, it seems like a very specific scenario, uh, you know, in which you're you're slow walking a crime in order to keep it out of the news cycle, which is also very of its time right. as well, because I, I at this point, I think we are so, um, I don't know, immune to well, a bad headline when it comes to politicians or police forces that uh yeah. that no one fears them anymore like there's this uh what is it the, the the sheriff's department in this one small county in fucking what is it Kansas uh, or whatnot where they uh are um actively uh hounding so the Raided the newspaper office. They raided the newspaper office. Yeah. They raided the home of like the editor, and then the grandma died. Like, yeah, it, yeah like they're doing, and, and and there's been calls for them to resign, and no, no one's no one's resigning because a but, headline. But, but, but they kept it out. Of, they kept it out of the news, which is important. That's <laughs> oh, important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As long as it's out of the news. <laughs> I mean, I think the reigning theory of uh, like how to how to keep people from um, getting mad about a thing. It used to be like keep it out of the headlines. Right. And now I think it's more of the fire hose uh, idea where it's like, OK, just let them go crazy about this and people will forget in three days. Yeah. And yeah, be fine. Yeah. Well, our, our attention spans are, are, are too short for this. And it, it almost is, you know, playing off that a little bit. And then they're like, you know, it was in the news once. And uh, as long as we can, you know, slow roll this uh, investigation, it should be fine. It also is a funny amount of confidence to put in your veteran homicide detective to think yeah, that, see, like, that's... we can't keep Norris on this. He'll solve the crime. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the I mean, that's the fun part of the wire. It's like they're doing this uh competent like complex idea of how to slow this investigation down but it's based on assumptions that are like completely wrong so like they're doing you know they're doing all this work to try and get through the plan without acknowledging the fact that the plan is based on like a total fallacy which is that this guy who's the supposedly you know veteran investigator is going to be somehow better at uh, solving the crime than Kima would, which doesn't seem to hold true based on everything else we know about the department. Yeah. Yeah. But the final prank is on, uh, is on the entire uh, homicide unit in that uh, now Kima is the one who's going to be in charge of this investigation. And, uh, and they're not, well, at least Jay Landsman is not happy about that. I like uh, the way that he intimidated her in that scene, which is that he would he just came up and basically put his belly on her. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was <laughs> that's his go-to move. It's just like, look how fucking fat I am. <laughs> oh, I love him so much. Um, so another thing. So when you played that <laughs> clip of uh, them, the, the Mr. Lion scene, yeah, I didn't notice it the first two times I watched it, but the. 
the uh, the lady cop who thinks McNulty is is, uh, is a yeah. snack was in the background. I hadn't, we hadn't seen her for a while. But. Oh. Yeah, yeah, she shows up in the background of a lot of different um, scenes uh, at the homicide unit, which it's amazing to me that there was like certain actors who were there who they get called in and they're and they. Yeah, they don't have any speaking lines, but they're like they are they are series regular background people. Which uh, I mean, that's a fucking cool job. That's a, that's a great gig, dude. I would love that gig. Are you kidding me? Just being in the, in the fucking background of Game of Thrones as guy mm-hmm. with sword, mm-hmm. and just being like, I'm guy with sword. I'd probably guy talk who, a lot. Guy who ogles Khaleesi. That would yeah, be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whoa. Yeah, but what if you're like the, the guy who has like you know the piss bucket? I mean, it's not. I'm okay with that. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll drag around a piss bucket. I would right. just like insist at some point I get to say, "Oh, I got a bucket of piss," <laughs> and then you know, hopefully, yeah, yeah hopefully I get paid for that. Um, hello, hello, Emmy. Hello, Emmy. Um, on the other, oh, is that Brent Flyberg, producer of Potty Shelf the Wire? Yeah, I gotta go empty a piss bucket. Um, <laughs> so we should take a break for ads. It'd be a good time for that. Okay, he's right. Uh, everyone has to empty their piss buckets and their shit buckets. So while we're doing that, please listen to these very good ads for very good and important products and stick around because we will be right back. Hey, Vince. Hey, Matt. As you know, Vince, I love old internet memes. Remember the early internet's obsession with Chuck Norris jokes? I do remember that. Here's one. When Chuck Norris went to college, he told his father, now you're the man of the house. <laughs> why Why do you bring this up? Well, I was thinking about those old memes, and I started thinking, I wonder what Chuck Norris is doing right now. What has he been up to? You know, I actually know the answer to that, Matt. Yeah, I recently saw a health video he made, and I was surprised. He's in his 80s, and he still seems to have energy and health. You know, I saw the very same video, Vince, and in it, he says he's even stronger, has more stamina, and plenty of energy left over for his grandkids since making one simple health change that helps his digestion and nutrition. That's almost too powerful to contemplate, but yes. uh, it's true. He says he still feels like he's in his 50s. Uh, his wife made the same change, and she's never felt better. She says she feels 10 years younger and has energy all day. Uh, I am way younger than them, and I have energy for about two hours a day. Uh, and the problem is, you know, that many of us do not include fruits and vegetables and other herbs that increase health and energy in our own diets. Chuck Norris made a special video that explains how he incorporated these things with one simple product. I love special videos, and you can watch it too by going to mymorningkick.com slash podyourself, and it may change your approach to your own health. Once again, that's M-Y-M-O-R-N-I-N-G-K-I-C-K.com slash podyourself, mymorningkick.com slash podyourself. Go there now and watch this very special Chuck Norris video. Did you know using your browser in incognito mode doesn't actually protect your privacy? Take back your privacy with IPVanish VPN. Just one tap and all your data, passwords, communications, browsing history, and more will be instantly protected. IPVanish makes you virtually invisible online. Use IPVanish on all your devices, anytime you go online at home and especially on public Wi-Fi. Get IPVanish now for 70% off a yearly plan with this exclusive offer at IPVanish.com audio. 
The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. And we're back. Um, on the other side of uh, the show, let's talk a little bit about what's going on with good old Marlo. Let's talk about Marlo mm. a little bit. Um, the Marlo storyline in, in this is... Oh, I'm sorry, you go ahead. Please no, tell me. I was just going to comment <laughs> extemporaneously about uh, the actor who plays Marlo. Is mm. He's just such a... An, uh, it's underrated how much having just an interesting face and presence uh, can improve an acting performance 100 percent. he's just a weirdly shaped guy and it really really works for this yeah. character yeah he's got alien proportions to his face which um and body uh, you don't see body. it that often uh but in this episode where you see him like walking around you're like man that is a just an mm -hmm. interesting interesting uh shaped proportion guy yeah yeah and you know he is that's not to say he's not very handsome because he's incredibly sure. handsome but he's handsome in the way that i think i appreciate more than anything which is a weird type of handsome like a a strange not he's not like a classically good looking guy he's like so weird looking that you're just like oh okay he's kind of hot he's you got Willem I mean? Dafoe hotness yeah <clears throat> Willem Dafoe hot you know um but yeah, there is, uh, as you talked about, there is uh, a poker motif going on here. We got a little bit of dual poker action. Um, we open the episode with <clears throat> um, Marlo at a poker game with some friends. We don't know who they are, um, but I guess we assume that they are people who uh, both have a lot of money um, and are comfortable enough with Marlo uh, that they would invite that fucking psychopath to play poker with them. <laughs> um, and the amazing thing about his poker game is that um, he is playing an honest poker game right. with all of them, while on the other side, you have Royce calling poker games that are basically fundraising uh, poker games, but without they don't say it. They don't call it that. I was curious about this. Like I, I know David Simon loves to, uh, especially with his politicians, he's doing a lot of like historical referencing. Yeah. Is uh, is there any history of like this like card game as like fundraising, or is that just like something that? Uh, not that I've seen. I, I'm sure. I'm sure David got it from some local reporter. It was a, probably a Martin O'Malley thing or something. Who yeah. knows? Yeah. But uh, uh, yeah, it's uh, I mean, usually uh, I mean, there's a lot of poker playing in politics. Truman's famous for it, but I don't think he was ever, you know, you know, using it to skim money. Yeah, it's more maybe. Yeah, maybe uh, David Simon was coming up with like a new idea right? for politicians. There. And it's a smart idea, because as far as I can tell from my limited knowledge of like campaign finance law, I assume <laughs> that the only reason that you would do this is because uh 
in order to get over the legal amount that you're allowed to, you know, contribute yeah. to a campaign, you just call a poker game with the city developers and all the people, you know, who would be essentially paying you off. And you, you just, uh, you win at game. Whereas now, I, I think it's not even needed now. I mean, again, no. I know barely more than you maybe on this, but it's, it's, you could just have, you know, a million different packs and right. related committees that do your work for you. Right, yeah, it exactly. seems like the the main thing that we found out now is that all of the money was much more blatant than anybody gave it credit yeah. for, where it was just like, oh, yeah, this guy just bought uh, Clarence Thomas's wife uh, right. a house or whatever and paid, you know, three times over asking randomly and nobody said anything. Right. The uh, There is, like, no more pretense anymore no, no. <laughs> it's just kind of uh it's out and out if not just straight up you know super pack dark money uh, that's kind of why you have to respect george santos because he's kind of just like you know what i don't even have to use a real name uh right? I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna have a completely i'm just fictitious... gonna fake all of this yeah and uh people will be okay with it because i'll be like but i'm on red team exactly right <laughs> Yeah, and, exactly and again, right. you thought there would be some sort of reckoning coming there because it no. was just so obvious. It was like, oh, no. this is the moment where we like figure out that this is bad uh, because this guy like took it too yeah. far. Um, and like this episode of The Wire is all about. It feels like they're setting up Marlo to like, oh, he's taking it too far because that's what we see in fiction is like when mm-hmm. the bad guys, uh, right. you know, they overreach. But then in real life, when someone overreach, we just sort of forgot about it after a while. Yeah, we, we just go, I didn't know you could do that and not feel shame. <laughs> like, I thought you were I thought there was I thought there were rules. It's basically it's Air Bud over and over again. It's just like there's nowhere in the rules. Does it say you, you know, a dog can't play basketball? Nowhere in the rules does it say you have to resign if you lie over and over and over again about the most insane shit. And I think, uh, you know, we're, you know, in a way, the show is a bit of a time capsule in which, like, you know, there is a pretense of like, oh, in order to get this money, he's got to play this poker game. Right. You know? Oh, in order to, you know, get elected, he's going to have to watch out for that bad headline. And nowadays, it's just like, I don't know if anything anything matters anymore other than a team affiliation Mm -hmm. um but uh yeah so you see you see marlo uh you know at this poker game and losing and then so at first i'm thinking oh he's a good guy and then um not that he's a good guy but i guess like oh look at that he's willing to play by some rules he's willing to play yes yeah and he's willing to lose lots and lots of money and not resort to violence like he understands this is the how the game works and Mm -hmm. he's just going to continue gambling and try trying to win it's never said just like with the homicide cops it's uh it's never stated outright that the guys he's playing poker with are like old head gangsters that maybe were in the game and got out of it but that was kind of of what I it had to be right. I yeah. mean, I mean, I that was my assumption because I'm like, well, who else has that much money and would and, and who else would be playing and who else would be playing at that game and that that you know right nondescript yeah. uh, building exactly. Yeah. It, it, all I can who think else is has it, six <clears throat> figures to lose at a poker right. game in an abandoned uh, row house. Just right. throwing away throwing away town car money. Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, but then he uh, later goes into uh, a uh, you know local liquor store and he punks the security guard by stealing uh, some lollipops. And the security guard comes up to him and you know tells him, "Hey, that was fucked up. I'm a man. 
and Marlo, uh, you know, tells him it's supposed to be, you want it to be one way, but it's another way. I, uh, I have a clip of that and, uh, enjoy. You want it to be one way. You want it to be one way. What? You want it to be one way. I ain't disrespecting you, son. You want it to be one way. You think I dream of coming to work up in this shit way. on a Sunday morning? You want it to be one way. Sorry. Stop saying that. You want it to be one stop! One way. But it's the other way. What? I'm so sorry. You know, it's just <laughs> I get bored and I just want to make a clip and then I just do that. Anyways, he wants it to be one way, but it's the other way. That's the point of that that scene. And um I'm not sure exactly what he means by that. Any any um any like theories is what he's talking about? I mean, I've always thought it was like it's about expectations and reality, right? And so yeah. this is Marlowe's worldview of you all have these fancy dreams. Mm -hmm. I understand the cold reality. And so it fits in with the whole co-op plan, right? They have this yeah. fancy plan that's going to make everyone come together and, and you know, and, and be united. And he yeah. sees himself as kind of a cold-hearted realist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I mean, this I, is, I feel yeah, that. this is like Carcetti with Hamsterdam too, where it's like, oh yeah, you yeah. wanted it to be this way, but uh, I got to play the game uh, that exists now. And yeah, no, I think, I think that's hundred percent right. It is like, it's him, you know, being, he is a cold hearted realist for sure. There is also part of me that thinks that in that scene, you know, he's yelling at Marlo and he's telling him like, you know, I know what you are. Uh, and I'm not stepping to you, but I am a man. And then he like gets in close and then Marlo gets in close back at him. And he's like, I told you, I'm not stepping to you. And part of me is like, well, you're kind of literally stepping to him. Yeah. Right he's now. doing the thing that Naaman's doing where he's like, no, I'm just saying, yeah. right. All right, but you, okay. But there's no difference between. Yeah. Yeah. And. <laughs> And a part of me is like, is like, I know you want it to be one way in which you get to say whatever the fuck you want to me and then say, but I'm not stepping to you, but it's the other way in which I'm going to kill you later, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, which is what happens. And that is like, for me was when I was like, uh, I was just beginning to like Marlo, you know, I was just beginning to accept him. And, uh, and then he goes and kills a random civilian for talking back. And I was, uh, I can't abide that. I don't like it. Um, and it's mean, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's my biggest problem with, you know, most, uh, gangsters yeah. is they're so mean. Um, but then, uh, he gets a little bit of comeuppance in this episode. Oh, I'm sorry. But before this, before he gets his comeuppance, uh, I, sorry, I do think there's ahead. a bit of like a, a Mandela effect thing going on with that line, because in my head, it was said all as one phrase. You want it to be one way. But it's the other way. But then yeah. you rewatch it and you realize like there's a lot of like in between stuff happening between those lines. But I don't know. I don't know if you guys, you did it the same, but my brain sort of put them together mm -hmm. artificially. Well, they are together, uh, but he's he keeps repeating. You want it to be one way. And the guy's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Stop saying that. He doesn't do it as many times as I did in that re-edit, <laughs> sure. but he does yeah, do yeah, it. Yeah. And then Chris pulls up and he goes, but it's the other way. Um, 
Yeah. Um, so in the previous episode, uh, we see old face Andre get uh, robbed at his, uh, at you know, at the bodega that he owns. And um, there's a great scene in this episode in which old face comes to uh, the rim shop where Marlo hangs and tries to reason with him about this, uh, about this robbery. And uh, he does it by uh, trying to present himself <laughs> as the NASDAQ after 9-11. <laughs> and uh, I, uh, I have a, a clip of that. Motherfuckers, just blowing up shit just too. Don't care who get hurt, what kind of sense it makes. You got a point. <laughs> and the government, right? They have one of them terrorist attacks. They cut Delta, whoever, some slack. The insurance companies, the banks, the whole NASDAQ and shit. Get some time to pay back what they owe. Because the government know ain't nothing they could do. Hmm. Yeah, I know you see it. You see the big picture. Probably with niggas today, they only see the narrow view. That's nice. They got some sentimental values. I ain't, I ain't much for sentiment. Oh, you know. It's been a while since I checked. I mean, the fluctuation of the global economy and all. I'll find out for you. You don't have to. I'll find out for you. Fingers swelled over the years. Need some help? Yeah, man. You need help? <laughs> nah, I got it. I got it. Maybe use some spit. I don't want the man spit. Nah, I got it now. <laughs> Omar ain't no terrorist. You just another nigga with a gun. And you ain't no Delta Airlines neither. You just a nigga got your shit took. So bring me what you owe and talk that global economy mess somewhere else. I, I fucking... I want more of that. I think I'll say that. I like the in, that entire scene is so fucking funny to me. Do, do we it. ever know where Old Face Andre got the name? Like, was he like six I don't, and called Old Face Andre? Or I, the, uh, I just looking at him, I know where Old Face Andre got the name. <laughs> you know, and it's it's. I got to say, it's a pretty apt like uh, nickname because he does look like. He does have kind of an older face for how old, like he's probably 25. <laughs> you know, that's, that's my guess. Um, but yeah, no, um, I, 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 yeah, I just love that scene. Just watching him trying to use uh, the global economy in order to, uh, and 9-11 is a reason why maybe he could, uh, you know, get, uh, the next package fronted because he got it stolen by Omar. It's I like that scene. they're doing an understated David Mamet overlapping yes. dialogue thing, but they're not like they're not really hammering it. So it's just yeah. it's there, but it's not like so uh, self conscious. And then <laughs> and then the ring is like the jacket in the Sopranos, where right. you know it's like the everybody. Oh, everybody's like, oh, look at that ring. Oh man, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's everybody nice notices ring. it. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we we first see that ring, uh, you know, old face is hiding it from Omar because he doesn't want to get it jacked uh, when, you know, he's getting the package jacked. Uh, and now, of course, uh, fucking, you know, fucking Marlo's taking it. Uh, and um, also understated joke that you would have like a giant bejeweled ring and you're like, oh, yeah, it has a sentimental value. Sentimental value yeah. <laughs> yeah, from when I won the Super Bowl. <laughs> 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 yeah um 
And then, uh, you know, the, that ring, which Old Face, you know, tried to, in many ways, to keep, uh, including, oh, my man, my fingers are so fat now, I can't get it off. <laughs> and I love that the, the implication of, do you need help? Is like, I will literally cut your finger off to get that <laughs> ring. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah, he tried so hard to keep it and uh, keep it away from Omar, but then Omar um, gets a little present from Prop Joe. Um, in this episode, you see Prop Joe trying to get Marlo to join the co-op. Uh, so he goes to his uh, pigeon coop and is like, if you like coops, you'll love a co-op. <laughs> and, oh, I didn't uh, even catch that. Yeah, I'm very smart. I really, uh, that's weird. I actually, like, I watched it twice. Didn't even occur to me. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm a genius. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, so, uh, he, and, you know, Marlo sees no reason to join the co-op. No one fucks with him now. And he doesn't care about the east side. So he's like, no, I don't care. Um, I mean, I, it, I, I didn't know how to interpret that handshake <clears throat> at the end of the scene at first. Like, I didn't realize, like, the handshake. Yeah. No, no. I thought the handshake was, like, an implied yes, but I guess it's not. He said, no one fucks with me now. He's like, yeah. you know, this yeah. is the point of the co-op is, you know, we all help each other out in case anyone fucks with us. And he's like, no one fucks with me, so I don't need your, yeah. I don't need your help. The, um, that, that handshake was, I said, good day, sir. Yes, mm -hmm. exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It is good day. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and prop Joe, of course says, all right, well now we got to get someone to fuck with him. So <laughs> yeah, he, uh, uses like Marlo's overreaching, but then also prop Joe's like overreaching yeah. yeah and omar's overreaching a little bit you feel like everybody's in on dangerous footing here everyone's got their hands in each other's pockets and uh that is i think pointed out pretty literally with the ring uh the ring mm -hmm. is passing owner to owner and uh the way it's the you know mirrors the way that money moves it's you know money don't have no owners it just has mm -hmm. spenders mm -hmm. um so uh Prop Joe tells Omar, I know of a little card game where you can make some money. And uh, Omar does it, robs the card game for him. And uh, I've, I've got that clip as well. Wow. All right, Spot, let me see them hands, yo. I don't know about cars, but uh, I think these four fives be the full house. I got to say, the fact that he was sitting back there listening to the card game and he heard <laughs> Marlo say full house. He's just like, Ooh, I got a line for that now. now, now. <laughs> <laughs> I love this about Omar is he's the only character where I truly will suspend all disbelief to allow him to say cool shit. It is. It I is mean, wonderful. like saying cool shit is clearly his entire reason for being. So you're yeah, like, all yeah. right, if that's what it gets him off, that makes sense. And uh, yeah, if it means more Omar for me, then I'm happy. Mm -hmm. Yo, banker, cash me out, yo. That's my money. Man, money ain't got no owners. Only spenders. I tell you something else. I like that ring, too. Boy, you got me confused when a man repeats himself. This ain't over. Well, that's how you carrying the shorty. Huh? Because, uh, I can find your peoples a whole lot easier than they can find me. Women in health. No doubt. Word in health, guys. Lahayam. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> to life. 
That's great. Yeah. I do feel like uh, weird in health sounds like something people say, but I, I don't think I've ever heard it. Um, but I like it because it sounds so uh, civilized. It sounds so, I don't know, there's something fancy Genteel, about it. Genteel, yeah. Genteel, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, that ring is now Omar's ring. And the money as well. So we'll see what happens with Marlo and see if Prop Joe's Even plan works for out. Omar, like robbing a card game full of uh, drug dealers so comfortable that they've like made it to old age and can spend six figures on a card game. Doesn't mm. seem like the smartest move. No. Seems yeah. like a gamble, even for him. I mean, I do feel like he is, uh, you know... Uh, someone who takes those risks and they seem to pay off, so I don't see him stopping anytime, you know? Uh, yeah. So, uh, let's talk a little bit about what's going on with the schools and uh, what's going on with them kids. Uh, so, this is a heavily Randy focused episode. Randy is uh, the little one who um, he. He's the entrepreneur of the bunch. Uh, he is the one who uh, skips out on class so he can sell candy to sixth graders. And this is an episode in which we kind of like start his uh, his arc of him being Randy the Snitch. And uh, he is, you know, he gets caught and uh, for selling candy, he gets taken to Mrs. Donnelly's office. And Donnelly does a great job doing what police do, which is again, um, David Simon loves his, his, uh, symmetries. Yeah. I mean, that's what he's doing. Uh, just saying, well, now that I've got you here, I will pin a crime on you (laughs) unless you, uh, give me a name. And, uh, and Randy of course does, you know, says who's tagging the wall. Um, thoughts on, on the storyline, Vince? Um, you know, it's, it's good. I like, I, I, I am sort of fascinated by more by the Michael storyline. Cause you kind of oh, yeah. see, you see where it's going, especially if you know that Dennis Lehane, uh, wrote the, 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 the script for this episode. Cause mm. boy, does Dennis Lehane ever love, uh, sexual abuse. And you're like, I think I smell mm-hmm. some classic Dennis Lehane stuff coming in this, uh, in this season. Yeah, I mean, so you see, um, you see Michael sparingly in this episode, but every every scene with him is pretty pretty potent. Uh, between him and Cuddy, Cuddy is uh, the boxing instructor, and uh, he's trying to get close to Michael, mostly because he wants he sees the potential that Michael has as a boxer, but Michael is clearly, uh, you know, he's got some some history of not trusting men for whatever reason. They don't really explain it. Um, but, but I think you can, you can guess by the way he, uh, moves away from Cuddy when Cuddy's like, you know, touching, like puts his, puts his elbow on his shoulder, like a, you know, like a pal and he's, um, and he like backs away and then Cuddy takes him to a boxing match and, uh, feels the need to, see. you didn't uh, think that new story about, uh, Mark Foley asking the kid whether he was in his boxers was relevant, but now it's it all was, coming together for you. Yeah. They are boxers. Think yeah. about it. Whoa. That actually, I didn't yeah. get that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, watching the, the Michael storyline in this episode is interesting because you're just like, uh, there's so much 
infer like inferred like so much implied without actually saying it and i think like that is one of yeah. the strengths of the show is the ability to like yeah take a you know something really dramatic and be like if we spell it out we don't you know it's it's a show don't tell type thing you know I also, yeah i also think it is like uh a little bit of like wish fulfillment in fiction where like every mentor in fiction you're like ah oh, why does this kid why does this kid hate me? Why won't the, why, why can't I reach these kids? And, uh, in mm -hmm. fiction, you can actually like write an answer to that question. Whereas in real life, you probably just like going like, well, I guess that kid thinks I'm a piece of shit. Oh, well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you may never actually find out the answer. Yeah. But it's, but, it, but it's cool. I mean, they show, you know, you get glimpses here of Michael being almost an adult, right? He takes care of bug. He's setting up with his homework. He knows he likes right. math. Got the drink, take care of him where the mom is useless on the couch. And then a very scared little kid. You know, he doesn't go to the boxing match unless he knows the other kid is already going. Right. As soon as he's out the van, he's out the van too. He doesn't want to be alone with a grown up under any circumstances. Like he's, he's really kind of terrified. So it's, yeah. but again, both parts are done really kind of almost impressionistically. It's really brilliant. Yeah. And it, it's like, uh, it's, it's hard to watch too, knowing. Um, the future, like once you've seen the show, uh, you know, a lot of these kids storylines really fuck with you because, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I think yeah, for my anyone who has a hard time watching Dookie, like she like, oh, oh yeah, gets sad because she wants to adopt him and everybody's mean to him for no reason. And, uh, and that, that's the most infuriating part of the kids storyline, not the mm -hmm. spoiler alert, but yeah, the one kid who gets out, who gets a good place. <laughs> It's the one kid who shouldn't. Right. Yeah. So it's he's Neymar. Yeah. yeah. It's, he, it's the the most privileged of the entire group. The, he the win, one who he wins the Bunny Colvin sweepstakes, right? I know. I he, know. You're going to go with Bunny Colvin. Yes. Not Neymon, who no, no, yeah. not, not Dookie, who's incredibly smart. Not yes. Randy, who's a hustler. Not Michael, yeah. who's got the life story of tragedy. No, yeah, yeah. it's the privileged kid of the gangbanger. Why? The, the one with the least <laughs> survival skills, I think. Right? And I think yes. that is almost part of it, where it's just like, you know, <clears throat> if there's one thing you could say about the end of the season or the end of, um, you know, the storylines for all the kids in The Wire, is they do all live. Uh, so... I don't think that's the case if Bunny Colvin decides to adopt any other one. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Naimond was going to die if he did not uh, <laughs> get extracted yeah. by a policeman. Uh, so, yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's it's just uh, watching Michael's storyline is 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 crazy, uh, you know, in retrospect, because you're just... Uh, yeah, you're seeing a very uh, responsible kid who is trying not to um, be used in whatever way by adults around him. Um, and, tr you know, whether it's his parents, whether it's his teachers or Cuddy, he's trying to, like, make it on his own. And uh, you see his fatal flaw, which is that uh, he really... Well, had some sexual abuse stuff going on and that's going to play into his life of crime later. Um, <clears throat> but let's also talk a little bit about Bunny. Um, 
No, let's see. What what happened with Bunny? Bunny spends Bunny this episode. Bunny takes a job as the truancy yeah. officer, uh, which is no, no, one of my Cuddy. favorite. Cuddy takes Sorry. a job. As, oh, yeah. oh, we're talking about Bunny. Okay, well, Bunny. No, we, we, yeah, either way. Bunny's observing uh, the middle school, trying to see who he's going to take under his wing, um, come in. And, uh, you know, you get that scene with uh, Cuddy's ex-girlfriend mm-hmm. who sort of lays it out for him, like what it's like teaching these kids yeah 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 the best part is is that you see bunny is is suited to the school system because he just recognizes it's another failed urban institution right yes and just like he can navigate the police department he goes he goes no no the institution hasn't failed these kids yes these are the trouble ones are going to be out of the institution later on so we're going to try to track them now before they get out it's not your fault yes it's their fault yeah i i loved that and i I like all of the the like yeah and all of the waivers that he has to sign it's like yes you can give us lots of money but only if you sign all of these things that says that we uh indemnify us from any responsibility for you or anything that happens to you uh, yeah, no, I love the scene where he's meeting with Miss Conway uh, and the academic is like doing some of the talking and Bunny stops him uh, to be like, just so you know, the institutions are great. Yeah. The, yeah, there's no way have you failed the children. No, 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 that's that's some other shit. Don't worry about mm-hmm. that. <laughs> but the point it's like he has learned uh, through years and years of being, uh, you know, uh, playing politics as a police uh, major that, uh, you know, you can't, you have to go on with the pretense of, oh no, the institution's great. Maybe just needs a little tweak here and there. There's, yeah. there's no, there's no need to, to tear down any of this. You've certainly have not failed these kids. They're all doing great. Um, but yeah, that's so bunny is, uh, he's looking around and he's seeing um, this is where he's going to be uh, spending the rest of the season. Um, Cuddy is, like you said, uh, a, uh, truancy officer, um, and he's going around collecting kids. Sherrod is running away from, uh, school, yeah. even though he shows up to school mm-hmm. and tells, uh, Bubbles that he's going to go. He my just favorite, can't sit still. My favorite part of the Cuddy uh, storyline mm-hmm. is that he goes into the, uh, he goes into the job with, uh, Marsha, Marsha Donnelly and <laughs> And she's just like, uh, who's that? Oh, I don't know. Just some convicted murderer that I hired to chase down kids. (laughs) (laughs) A priest said he was cool. Uh, A deacon, (laughs) sir. (laughs) No, yeah, it is, it is, uh, you know. It shows the power of the uh, of the uh, ministerial class in Baltimore that it's just like uh, you know a yeah, good de- word de- from from a deacon. De- de- deacon, tell me tell me more about this uh, this young man. Well, uh, so he's a convicted murderer. Yeah, okay, <laughs> yeah. we yeah. do that. Yeah. Uh, former gangbanger. Uh huh. Yeah. And what does he do in his spare time? Uh, he has a, a a gym in an abandoned warehouse where he hangs out with young boys. Well, yeah. Great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's yeah, yeah. get him. Oh, young boys. Oh, I'm yeah. gonna yeah. need him to find more young boys. Yeah. He's but, really yes. turned his life around. Now he punches thirteen year olds. A yeah. lot, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. To teach him lessons, <laughs> but he really has changed, and honestly, he's a great choice for a truancy officer. Everyone has a past, Vince. Right. Um, Sorry, the one storyline that I wanted to get to uh, mm-hmm. before we dive too deeply into this was like I, I've always found Carcetti to be just a fascinating character because sure. I do think they set up the fact that he was going to be essentially out for himself. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, there's a big arc in this episode where we, 
like we allow ourselves to be convinced that he's going to be like a different kind of politician and yeah. that he's he's caring and because and, and I feel like this was just really impressive because this was like two years before Barack Obama. Like it, yep. it showed us being sort of seduced by <clears throat> someone uh, on like sheer charisma and mm-hmm. homework doing yes. alone. Like the whole George W. Bush era was just like, oh man, how do we get into this mess? Oh, right, we elected right. a stupid guy. Now yeah. all we mm-hmm. have to do is elect like a smart guy who talks good. Right. And, uh, and that's going to be like the cure all. And even like rewatching the show, you, you like, you let yourself be seduced by <clears throat> Carcetti, like doing the right things and just like saying the right things. And I think like the, the same way it does with Marlo, where like, he doesn't really become bad until he gets like a certain amount of power. And then he sure. starts to overreach like Carcetti's, good throughout this arc because he has no shot at winning and he, right. and he knows it. Yeah. Uh, whereas once he actually has power and has to hold on to it, that's where he sort of becomes, uh, you know, little finger. Yeah. yeah. And what I like about it is I, I also have the feeling like watching the show the for the first time around where again, I was like, yeah, he, Wow, he's good. Yeah. If they he's just good elected and he's this Carcetti guy, if they weren't just like so busy just voting for the black guy, like yeah, right, they see like, how good this white guy is. Yeah, um, but for affirmative action. Yeah, he's goddamn woke police. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, Carcetti in this episode goes uh, to the ministers, and he knows he's not going to win them over, but he goes there just to basically kiss the ring to pay his respect and to, uh, you know, give him a little bit of the old charm. And I have a clip of that. Ask for your vote now. Maybe I haven't earned it yet, but I am here to say that when I am mayor, my door is open to you regardless of who you endorse. And I want you to remember that I came here today to say these things. Thank you. Councilman. Thank you for coming. So looking at that scene from a couple of different angles, uh, like originally I was like, good for him for, you know, he might be, maybe he is a voice of change. Maybe he is good. Um, And then, you know, watching the show and realizing that the Carcetti character is basically about like, how politically strategic he is and how smart he is at winning elections, not at how he's going to be as someone who's governing, governing, you know, and I think this is the, the grand thing with, you know, uh, parallel with Obama is that like, while he was running, you don't see him as like, man, this guy's really good at winning elections. You know, <laughs> uh, he's really good at winning my vote. It's like you see him as like, this guy's going to change things. This guy's going to, you know, be a different type of politician right. is going to do all these things. And um, it's only, in t- you know, with hindsight that you realize, like, no, this is absolutely about political strategy. It's about right. making you believe that this is going to be someone who's going to be a voice of change. Well, and we see that when, you know, he talks to Reg Cathy, uh, the campaign advisor before mm-hmm. this about, about why to go. They're going to yeah. endorse Royce. They're in his pocket, but it's about limiting the damage they do between now and election day, right? What are they going to say in the pulpits this Sunday before? Right. And so 
he, the talk is all about what I'm going to do as mayor, but right. the subtext is really, this is all about getting to be mayor. And I'm going to, you know, mute your criticisms of me with a very sincere sounding, but, but very cynical and self-serving uh, pitch about being the mayor for all people. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I also feel like there's a little bit of Biden in here too. Just I've, I've heard Biden describe, I think it was Chapo. They, they called him like, he's the guy who tells you the ice cream machine is broken. Um, and like, this is a very like, Carcetti is the <laughs> guy who's mean? just like, he's good at like, like delivering bad news uh, humbly, uh. like sort of, you know, being like, yes, uh, this is an intractable problem and I have no way to fix it. But, uh, you know, I commiserate with how much it yeah. sucks right now. Yeah, I uh, love ice cream. You love ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My family loves ice cream. Uh, <clears throat> you know, and it's sort of what Carcetti's doing here where it's like, I'm not telling you that I'm really going to do anything necessarily, mm. but I'm, uh, I, I you're going to find me honest because I'm going to acknowledge my own impotence in this situation. You know what this makes me realize as I was watching that scene, it made me really wish that uh, Bernie Sanders had seen that scene um, and maybe could have visited South Carolina once uh, and met with James Clyburn and been like, listen, I know you don't like me. I'm a loud mouth. Okay. I know you're not going to vote for me, but maybe tone it down a little bit. Just a tiny bit. Okay. I love you. I kiss the ring. We're all friends, you know, but he didn't, he didn't do that. And, uh, that was, uh, I think a huge mistake. And it's like the annoying thing about like watching a show like this and realizing the, how much of the Carcetti storyline is about, you know, uh, running a, a good campaign is that you, you watch it and you're like, this is the only people like Obama loved the show. And I, I guarantee that part of that love was watching Carcetti doing something that I think Obama did a lot of, which is like he knew how to run. He knew how to uh, get uh, elected to stuff. And um, that's not a criticism, but it is like something where I watch you it and I go that. like, why can't Bernie learn from this? Why does it have to be someone who's... <laughs> that interested in power why can't it be uh not that bernie isn't interested in power but i feel like he had too much pride and he was like oh, i'm not gonna win there why would i go <laughs> <laughs> and he just it just was and so instead of having you know maybe a a more fair turnout you know uh, instead it was just biden's our man in south carolina and it all kind of went downhill from there r.i.p um, <laughs> these are Matt's thoughts about Bernie losing in 2020. Uh, okay. It is uh, great to be here to talk about the wire with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. You just gotta let Matt cook sometimes. Just you know? Sometimes right. you gotta That's let right. me cook. Um, but yeah, that is, uh, most of the stuff that happens is in this episode. Uh, do we have a favorite, least favorite or, uh, favorite scene, least favorite scene or scene we didn't talk about Vince? Uh, yeah, that's an easy one. I, I don't, we didn't talk about it, but I think this was Snoop's first, uh, use of that sound that she makes. And <laughs> yeah. like, I had to pause it cause uh, just the way that she deployed that was, <laughs> I, mean, I can't do it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes, no, I do. Uh, I do have that uh, that scene. It's between uh, Bodie and uh, Chris and Snoop. Uh, so? What's the play? 
Well, I told little Kevin right there to shoot y'all both in the head twice, but seeing that he done walked away. Oh, you funny. Yeah. I guess I'm on your package. <laughs> I love I love Yerp. And this is I started making a list uh as I was rewatching the season of all the she has about four different versions of Yerp. And uh I I've you know what? Next episode I'm gonna add it to the soundboard every single type of Yerp. She does because they are, uh, they're, they're brilliant and they're useful because it's like a, it's a sound. If you hear it, you're like, oh, bring the drugs, you know, <laughs> you should, you should, mix, you should mix some of Yarp from uh, Hot Fuzz too. Oh yeah. 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 I'll yeah. add to the Hot Fuzz Yarp as well. <laughs> I feel like, <laughs> you know how they have a different version of animal sounds, like in every language, like in yes. English, yeah. you know, roosters say cock-a-doodle-doo but it whatever that in, like, French, would, it's, in french it's cocorico yeah oh, yeah yeah cocorico yeah. that's right yeah, yeah and, I and dogs in spanish go guau guau <laughs> <laughs> which i'm like i guess they go guau guau <laughs> like uh, i want to i want i want the snoop's yerp sound to go out in every language just to yeah. see like what the, you know what like the i'm next i'm gonna Slovenian listen take on like, yerp, i'm like, gonna an umlaut over the u yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah no i next time i will listen to it and don't they have like uh what is it like when you can change the language uh mm-hmm. on on yeah, the Google settings translate oh, yeah. yeah i'm gonna see if i can change the language on on the next rewatch of it and see if uh, nice. that, that europe works um kevin was there any scene uh a favorite scene or a least favorite scene or something else you wanted to talk about i mean the 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 andre uh the old face andre uh scene is is a good one yeah that's um what we haven't talked about, uh, uh, I guess, the, the fact that McNulty's barely in this. Yeah. I mean, and this goes back to your theory about being drunk as a superpower. This yeah. is when he's sober. That's right. And he's not there. We do get the uh, the so-so uh, gift, yeah. which, is, which is good. And, and we get, uh, you know, it's always fun to see drunk bunk. So oh, oh, that's yeah. nice. Yeah. Oh, puss eye. Dude. Uh, so that is, that <laughs> is my favorite scene of the episode. It is the most, it's another, like, well-written banger it's perfect it's two police partners who are just not right for each other you know one is too hard-boiled the other one is too horny to live yes i think that's a funny because this episode there's so much like about the you know the notes that they're not playing but like yes lester's being all judgmental and you're like didn't you just wife up the stripper last season (laughs) yeah yeah, right exactly about going after young girls yeah, yeah, true. You make a good point. He is a hypocrite. Uh, but yeah, but no, he's, I, he's smooth Lester Freeman. You cannot be mad at smooth Lester Freeman. Exactly. He's the greatest yes. character in the wire. He's, he's, he's the, the pinnacle. Hands yeah. down. Uh, he's he's the best detective and he's just the greatest character. And I love watching him and Bunk together just talking past each other. Yeah. It is <laughs> it is so fucking brilliant. And and when and when Bunk realizes it, he just starts yelling out for Jimmy. <laughs> He's like, oh man, what the fuck? Jimmy, I'm horny. Uh, I have that scene. It is my favorite. Boy, Marla. I thought he was skewing, man. Screwing what? The boy's a young lion. Hello, is Mr. Lion home? And a lion has to have his kid. Bet they probe for Mr. Lion. So then where are my bodies? 
Here I am over here on the one hand without a body in six months, and here you are looking for a suspect who's most likely dead, and most likely for dropping one of them off. And again, if he's dead, where's that body? You know what the plural of pussy is? Pussy. Jimmy told me that. Where's he putting the bodies, Bunk, huh? In the sewers? Road funeral home, maybe? Yeah, they teach their fancy ass Latin at them Catholic schools. You remember that? Now, for Westside boy like Marlo Stanfield, that would be the traditional dumping ground. Hey, girl. Hey, girl. Right? Hey, girl. Right? What? Man. Jimmy! <laughs> Jimmy! <laughs> Time to get some. Well, that's how you <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just yeah, I just love that scene so much. There's they're so perfect for they're they're the odd couple, you know? They're just also everybody uh, just I, happily smoking in a bar in 2006. Yeah, yeah, those are the. I days, love he's got though. the he's got the the, the the highball glass and the and the cigar. Yeah, he can't quite control man. both. Yes, yeah, <laughs> just blowing kisses to two yeah. young strangers while his partner is <laughs> literally doing the work for him. <laughs> like this is what if Freeman's second day back at homicide, and he's just yeah. like, I think I've figured out that there are bodies somewhere. And Bunk is, uh, he just wants to get his dick sucked. Um, but yeah, that is by far my favorite scene. Um, I also love that he feels the need to um, credit McNulty with inventing pussy. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the plural pussy is pussy. McNulty taught me that. <laughs> just starts crying for his friend. Um, yeah, but that is, that's the episode. That's what happens in it. And uh, if I had to give this episode a letter grade out of all the letter grades i could give it i think i would give it a b plus vince what would you give this episode genuine this is genuinely a solid b plus oh okay b yeah. plus surprise surprise i here. mean they all are but this one is a special this is this is the solid b plus of genuineness okay in giving it a solid b plus sure kevin what would you give this episode well my experience as a creator i mean it's not as Elite is an A minus, but it's not as average as a B. So I probably come down, I guess, in the middle at a B plus. Okay, mm. all right. That, that's a Wise. solid. It's a solid B plus episode of The Wire, and you know what? A solid A plus episode of Pod Yourself, The Wire. Kevin Cruz, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, talking The Wire with us. My pleasure. Hey, I'm going to be at uh, the Punchline in San Francisco on October 17th. <laughs> mm-hmm. So uh, be sure to come check me out, all right? Yeah. Yeah, if you love history and you uh, love Kevin, please come October 17th, Punchline. Two drink minimum. Two drink, drink minimum. minimum. For uh, me, uh, yeah. uh, Kevin, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, I'm on whatever Elon Musk has called Twitter today, unless he's destroyed <laughs> it. And I have a uh, substack, kevinmcruz.substack.com. Okay, so check those out immediately. Uh, Kevin, it was a pleasure having you. If, on the if you're driving, don't check them out immediately. Please pull over. I, I don't want to. No. It's good. I want you to read the substack while you're driving. All right, you heard him, folks. <laughs> that way, your Patreon. If you die, it'll keep going until someone notices. Ooh, well done. Okay, I like it. Good, good, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Kevin, thank you. You're the best. Hey, it was a pleasure. Yeah, thanks a lot. Wires. 
Patreon.com slash Fraudcast. The $8 tier gets you a shout out. Vince, this week we have merely three. Mm. Three shout outs to give. Man, That's street, I'm like street name. so in street name mode that I thought like our first uh, our, our first patron was named Merely, and I was like, th- I was already brainstorming a nickname for <laughs> for Merely. Um, Merely, yeah. And listen, now, yeah, no. Merely would be a great name. It would be a, a name that I know and I recognize. You know, I mean, I've never heard of a Merely before, but it would be something I'd understand. But I'll tell you right now, there's a couple names here that uh, I don't. I don't understand. First, yeah, there's is, no requirement that you give real names on Patreon. Yeah, so when so you if make anybody's on the fence because of that, right? So like, yeah, if you are making a Patreon, uh, you know, people sometimes they'll just make a username, and uh, which is fine, but it also makes like shouting you out, like I'm happy to shout out your username, um, but it, making a street name out of it's kind of hard. So this first one is uh, Sixerino. Crixerino. Crixerino. More Crixerino. like Mixerino. We call this guy, and I assume it's a guy because it's not Crixerina. That's true. Uh, Good point. Yeah. We're going to call him the bartender. I love it. That's mm-hmm. uh, The fact that you got a nickname out of that is very good. Mm-hmm. The next one is just one name, and it's... S K J E Sky. That's, that's Sky. Yeah, that's Sky. That's uh, that's Eastern European pronunciation rules. I'm pretty sure. Okay, Sky. Sky. Blue Sky. We call this guy Blueface or girl. Blueface. That's very good. I like that. That's the name of a rapper too. Oh, there you go. Yeah. I didn't even know that. Well, then how'd you get Blueface? Sky Blue. I know, but that's amazing that you from there. Well, you, old face Andre, blue face Sky, yeah, you know. I you don't know. accidentally came up with the name of a very famous rapper named Blueface. <laughs> he kind of wraps off beat. It's a weird thing, mm. but it's like once you get used to it, it's pretty good. Um, and last but not least, Felipe Jensen. Felipe Jensen. <laughs> we call this guy Doctor J. Okay, Dr. J. Felipe Jensen, uh, you know, Blueface, and of course the bartender. We thank you so much for your patronage. And if you want a street name, patreon.com slash rockcast, $8 tier. But then Sign I mean, Felipe is kind of like Spanish influence. Maybe it should be Dr. Ye. Okay, that's good too. That's right. let's do it. Uh, you know, we're I'm not changing. Gonna, we're changing midstream. I'm not gonna Monday morning quarterback my own nicknames from now on. Yeah, I, I kind of like it. You know, okay. it's kind of fun. Doctor Ye. Uh, so yeah, get yourself a nickname. Who knows? You might get two because Vince Monday morning quarterbacks himself. That's right. It'll be great for you and also great for. Everyone, because you know what? Not only you get a name, but you also get all these broadcast bonus episodes every week. Me and Vince talking about other things. That's right. Broadcast at gmail.com for all your questions, comments, and concerns. Vince, what is the Googly voice number? 415-275-0030. All right, everybody. Thanks again so much for listening, and I hope you're enjoying whatever song is playing in your ear right now. I bet it's good. And (laughs) you know what? Until next time, if you come at the king, you best not miss. I cannot write these that quickly. There's no help from Mancini. Brent Flyberg's busy working. 
But I got all the song for you, pig. So faces ring, is large and shiny, and he hides it when he gets jacked by Omar. Old faces ring, gets stolen by Marlowe. Stanfield, who says he'll get. muscle this whole time your titty spasm mm-hmm. mm. must be from doing all that they um oh, no that's a turd can't do it wait what happened i was gonna fart into the mic but i realized like that's more than a <laughs> fart
Like, oh no, that's doo-doo. Oh no, it's doo-doo. Did you know using your browser in incognito mode doesn't actually protect your privacy? Take back your privacy with IPVanish VPN. Just one tap and all your data, passwords, communications, browsing history, and more will be instantly protected. IPVanish makes you virtually invisible online. Use IPVanish on all your devices, anytime you go online at home and especially on public Wi-Fi. Get IPVanish now for 70% off a yearly plan with this exclusive offer at IPVanish.com audio. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.